0: It is Thursday, February 23. Big sports breakfast. Sky Sports Radio, a very good morning to you. you just tuning in, Matilda's 3 0 over Jamaica last night in Newcastle, their seventh straight victory. Starting to fly there under Tony Gustafsson, five months out from the World Cup. Speaking of World Cups, the Women's 2020 World Cup semi final tonight. Australia up against India. That's midnight. Our time tonight for a spot in the final. England and South Africa are in the other semi final 24 hours later. Also in cricket, Ashton Agar's back home, although uh, Tony Doddermade, Chief Selector yesterday, said that he's going to be back in India for the three one-day internationals, be picked in that squad, which will be announced today. Uh, David Warner also said to be picked in that squad after he rehabs from this elbow injury, this hairline fracture, which he's back home for and missing the last two tests. Josh Hazlewood, though, won't be picked in the one-day international squad. He's got that nagging Achilles injury and now will be looking to get fit for the Ashes in the middle of the year. Uh, just some off-field news in footy. Latrell Mitchell and Jack White, and they pleaded not guilty yesterday to offences uh, in the ACT Magistrates Court that they were charged for after their scuffle in Canberra a few weeks back. So they're going to face a hearing October 30, Uh after the end of the season, of course. So that means they're going to be free to play out the season at this stage. So, uh, yeah, there'll be no suspensions or sanctions yet until that court case has run its course. The Dragons, though, more drama. Oh, gee, it's been uh, not a great off-season, has it, for the Dragons. Uh, Frank Molo, Francis Molo, yesterday pleaded guilty to stalking and intimidating a woman before Christmas and the 28-year-old forward could now be stood down under the no-fault stand-down policy. So we'll wait to see how the NRL reacts to that. We've got Adam Pengilly uh, coming up shortly to talk plenty of racing as well. NMO's seventy for the tab Chipping Norton. Barrier 3, it drew yesterday for the Group 1 at Royal Randwick on Saturday. In secret, the Godolphin stablemate Barrier 4 and was backed yesterday for the surround stakes. 2.40 into 2.10 gee, looking forward to the futurity down south at Sandown, the group one there as well, because I'm Thunderstruck and Alligator Blood drew next to each other in three and four, respectively. $3.50 joint favourites. Loz, you're multi. It's going to have, gee, you got options. Oh.
1: Plenty of options, Mito, and I must uh, lay it out on the table. I won't have time to do a lot of study this week. <laughs> I'm busy today.
0: Are well, you putting out a disclaimer? Disclaimer. After I a might, win.
1: I might ask Penn Gilly to give me something. Well, didn't you
0: give, set him a task to give us something for the lunch tomorrow? I did,
1: yeah. But uh, I might also need something to, for Saturday.
0: So you're asking a lot. Well,
1: I am asking a lot, but that's what we love about Adam. He's very adaptable. You can ask him on the spot questions and he delivers. He's the mailman.
0: Well, he did have Electric Girl at $8.50 he for did. us last week as well. I meant to mention this yesterday, uh, the Sydney test. Going nowhere, by the way, will stay around that New Year's period despite an audacious attempt by South Australia to pinch it. Should have seen some of the cheerleaders in South Australia and some of the yeah, crap they were saying never as well. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. But uh, thank goodness for that.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's part of our tradition. It's part of history. Uh, I saw a lot of people have a bit of a shot at me about my comments, but uh, I stay here thinking exactly the same. The New Year's Test is here to stay. It belongs in Sydney. It needs to be in Sydney. I love the tradition. New Year's and Boxing Day Test matches should never change, in my opinion. They should be played in Melbourne and in Sydney. Uh, And if anything, I'm a fan of going back to start the Test match on January 2 or January 3. Started earlier. Mm. Um, I'm a massive fan of that. I enjoyed it when I was a young kid growing up watching, and I loved it when I played it. So, yep, chin up. South Australia.
1: Yeah, I, I'd like to see it start uh, earlier too, pup. but you know what I'd also like to see, and just see it once to see whether it worked or not, a day-nighter.
0: Yeah, I, I'd like I to think see it, I think night. the day
2: nighter has to stay in Adelaide. I think that has been an, abs- uh, an unbelievable success. Mm. I think even thinking about when I played the day night one day games, there was nowhere better to play than Adelaide Oval. The atmosphere, the crowd on that ground—it's got a bit of that Melbourne Cup vibe out the back as well, where mm. you know you see lots of people come and don't watch the cricket out the back on the big screen, but they're drinking and celebrating, and having a good time. So uh, Sydney could certainly hold. A day-nighter, lozza, Um, it would just mean you'd have, you would probably have two in that series. Mm. Which, yeah, I think from a spectator's point of view... I wonder here. how it would
1: work. I wonder whether people would be like keen to see it happen. But I I, I think it would work. I, I think yeah, either for Sydney sure. or Melbourne would oh, no, work. Viewers,
2: people want day-nighters. It's, the players don't want day-nighters. It's much harder to bat. Like, you look at what just yeah. happened with England and New Zealand. You know, your tactics change as a team. There's, you know, during the days, uh, the best time to bat, and at night it can make it harder. So you got every, you know, seven players out of the 11 of every team, they don't want day-nighters because it's, it's much harder mm. for batting. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a tough balance. That's why I think at the moment they've sort of the players and the administrators have met in the middle – where they said, Radio we'll have, you know, one per summer, and that's going to be in Adelaide. But, yeah, if anything, you're probably only going to see more of them, I reckon, around the world.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, this text, please sub Ali Mosley in for the weekly multi. She's a ripper. So there's an option for you. Oh, they want to get, get rid, rid of to... Adam? No. Well, that's yeah. having a crack at Adam. No, it's I, having... I reckon
2: that's having a crack at you. Oh, for uh, no, that's <laughs> having a crack at Adam. <laughs>
1: Uh, adam was Pen-
2: going say, get out of here, mate, and give the ouster
1: you're a crack. You're having a crack at pengilly That's what you're doing.
0: <laughs> adam Penn Gilly, good morning. <laughs>
1: I'll
3: step aside, Jared. If you need me to step aside, I'll step no. aside. No, Al- Ali's Al-
0: the queen. You have Take my care, full
1: support, Adam. <laughs> okay, thanks, Loz. I need a horse from you.
0: You were filthy at him because he stole some of your thunder because of his $8.50 winner last week.
1: Yeah, but that was only off air. No. Honestly,
0: I'm right behind him. Yeah. That was behind his back. <laughs> Full support of the board, Full that, support isn't. of the board. You know how we operate? <laughs> just some footy news first, Adam. Is anything going right for the Dragons? Anything?
3: Uh, in a in short answer, Jared, no, not at the moment. Um, just some more bad news yesterday. Francis Molo fronting Port Kembla local court over an incident. In the week before Christmas, there uh, was a domestic violence incident. His lawyers on his behalf pleaded guilty yesterday. He hasn't had a conviction or a penalty sort of uh, finalised by the court there yesterday, but no doubt the NRL will be taking a very close look at that incident. I've got to be careful what I say. It hasn't been finalised by the court yet, mm. obviously, but he did play in the Charity Shield match on the weekend up there at Mudgee for the Dragons against South, so... It just keeps adding up, doesn't it, Jared? I, like, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of good people at that club, and don't get me wrong. There are a lot of good people trying to, trying to do a lot of good things for that club, but, gee, some of the misdemeanors from the playing group in the last 12 to 18 months, it's just it's just ridiculous. It's just so silly. You go back to Junior Amone, obviously, who's front in court, over those charges of an alleged hammer attack. We saw the two boys, Zane Musgrove and Michaela Ravalara, on the weekend at Mudgee, and now this incident here where Francis Molo's pleaded guilty in, they just, they just can't get anything right off the field at the moment. So whether this translates to on the field, Loz, you're probably a bit better judge than me, but it's just not a good way to start the season, is it?
1: No, it's not a good way. And it's terrible, actually, with all, everything that's going on uh, off the field. Uh, we saw it at the back end of last season with them not turning up for the presentation night. Mm. We see a number of issues in the off-season and it'll affect them, no, no doubt about it. I, look, I, I cannot have the Dragons, running any better than 12th. Mm, mm. I, I, I can't have them playing finals football this year with everything that's going on. Their roster uh, needs a change. Uh, I said it last year. I think that there's a lot of decisions that need to be that made there in that playing group. And one thing you do with all these off-field issues is go, boys, whoever wants out, regardless of who you are, let's sort it out. You can move on because mm. they need to shake up.
3: Mm. In, yeah, my, that, that... in
1: my opinion they need to shake up and yeah. that, that roster needs to change otherwise you're just going to keep getting the same results and if players aren't disciplined now after all the drama they've been through when do they change?
3: Yeah I think to be fair I was in a couple of years ago they probably did the right thing by trying to bank on a lot of these kids coming through Yeah. Your Terrell Sloan's, your Jaden Sullivan's, your Junior Amones, your, your Cody Ramseys. and then it just goes to show how fickle the game is. Like, Cody Ramsey goes down with that horrible illness. Mm. He's unlikely to play this year, might not even play football again, full stop, right? So he's out of the equation. You've got Junior Amone with his police charge. His future is, you know, hanging in the balance, obviously. And now we've got question marks about whether Terrell Sloan and Jaden mm. Sullivan are going to be the players that many thought they would be. And just, your fortunes can change so quickly, can't they, Loz? And And a lot of those. I think you're right. That roster needs a massive shake-up, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and
1: if you've got young players, though, they're impressionable, all right. So yep. So if, if you've got a, a group of players and senior players not doing the right thing, well, what happens with these young blokes? Hmm. They're, they're walking in there, they're seeing how the senior players are going, and they go, oh, right, and then they're dealing with issues they shouldn't have to be de- de- dealing with. Like when they front hmm. the media, they're ask, getting asked questions, whereas for these young blokes, it should be about just preparing, playing, learning off the senior players how to become a professional, what we need to do to get ourselves in the best shape to play our best football and show everyone what we can do.
3: Yeah. One one thing I will say, Loz, is they've got a good draw to start the year. Like In in terms of draws, it's about as good as Mm -hmm. you can get. They had a good draw last year. Yeah, true. I think they played the Coast twice in the first five or six weeks this year. They've got the Dolphins. They've got the Broncos. Like... If you're looking at the start of a competition, you're thinking, OK, we're actually a chance of winning a fair few of these games. And they need to. They need to start fast. to have absolutely any chance at all of doing anything in the competition. But with, just with all this drama, like it's just it's so hard to put to one side. And I, I fear it's going to affect them on the football field as well.
0: Saw some racing and uh, final fields there yesterday. And Enemo and In Secret, the big Godolphin pair to start favourites in the group ones in Sydney at Randwick on Saturday.
3: Yeah, they're going to start very short, aren't they, Jerry? Just given the barrier draws
0: there on the weekend, the profiles of, of both horses. I just want to touch on Animo
3: really quickly, if that's all right, boys. Like, he's, he's gunning for his eighth Group 1 win there on the weekend in the Chipping Norton Stakes, so... You look at the barrier draw, you look at his form, you look at the field, you think, okay, everything's stacking up for him really nicely for this race. Where's he going to sit in terms of how do people reflect on him in 12 months' time when he's finished his career, if he can rack up another one, two, maybe three Group 1s? like he's a, he's a special, special horse. To win Group 1s as a two-year-old, a three-year-old, now as a four-year-old, like, I think it hasn't been done since show a heart, going back 20-odd years ago, right? And I think he's the first stallion since Octagonal to do it back in the 1990s, so... He is an amazing horse. I know he doesn't win by huge margins, but he just seems to get the job done every single time. I am desperately keen to see what Karen McAvoy's going to do on Fangirl in this race here on the weekend because she's drawn barrier one. She just cannot get as far back as what she did um, last start, and she looks the legitimate danger team on paper, if there is one. If she can just settle a couple of pairs close, it'll give her a lot better chance. But having said that, Jay Mack on board from a sweet barrier in three is going to be extremely hard to beat, Animo.
0: if. He'd won that Cox Plate, which oh. many still thinks he should have. And you win two Cox Plates, and I mean that's probably what just keeps him below is putting him in that absolute elite category. With you know, well, you know, a comparison, I guess, is so you think. Um, we probably because so you think then went overseas after winning two Cox Plates and had success over over in uh, Europe. We'd probably have so you think just ahead of Enamo, wouldn't we? I mean that's how fickle it is, isn't it? When we have these pub debates what horse is better, etc. And the other thing probably against him is the fact that we just say, you know, our weight for age rings aren't what they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago, etc. So, it, 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 like, when you look at that Cox Plate, if he won two in a row, we'd probably push him just a little bit further up. Would you agree, I, Adam?
3: I think you're exactly right, Jared. And I'm on the record by saying that he should have won that race a couple of years ago. I think the stewards made a bad decision on that day. I know it's very subjective and whatever else, but I, I honestly and legitimately thought that there was definitely grounds to to uphold that protest and reverse the result. And you're right. If, if he's, We're talking about him as a two-time Cox Plate winner right now. And mm. say he goes on to win Queen Elizabeth like later in the autumn up here in Sydney, then he goes down as one of our all-time greats. But unfortunately, we'll never know about that Cox Plate a couple of years ago, and he's got some pretty big fish to fry over in Europe at, at Royal Ascot and potentially later this year. So, yep, still a fair bit to play out with Animo. Adam, what's happened with the Ice Bath? Yeah, just a bit of a setback, Clarkie. Brad Woodard reported to steward she was struggling with a hoof issue earlier this week, and unfortunately she hasn't come and responded to treatment with, with that problem. So she won't be contesting the Guy Walter Stakes this week, and she's going to be one of the leading chances for that race. So unfortunately she's out this weekend, which is a real shame, because I thought her first up run in the Apollo Stakes was fantastic. And we know that she loves the the wet tracks and the bit of sting out, out of the ground, which she'll get obviously up here in Sydney throughout the autumn. So... Let's hope she can get back on track. She's probably coming towards the end of her racing days. I'd imagine she's been a fantastic mare for Brad and the connections for, for, for many, many seasons now. So let's hope we get to see her back on the track at least a couple more times before the end of the autumn carnival.
0: Speaking of the Cox Plate and Racing Victoria made some confirmations about their calendar later this year and the Cox Plate staying in its usual spot. But, gee, doesn't the Melbourne Racing Club Caulfield benefit from the changes, Adam?
3: Yeah, what a whole hullabaloo this has been, Jared, hasn't it? Like, they they obviously floated the idea out in the press for, for a couple of weeks there to try and gauge a reaction from certain sections of the, of the, I suppose, the racing public. And I think the reaction was definitely mixed. I think it probably more people favouring and staying in the traditional slot. And they've decided to do that. So I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, I wouldn't have thought. The one, or I suppose a couple of big changes from the spring carnival, the Manicato Stakes going back to Cox Plate Day. And remember all that I suppose that drama on Manicato Stakes Night last year, we had that massive electrical storm and the horses going out on the track. And by necessity, they had to push it back to Cox Plate Day. And it turned out to be a, a great success. The wagering was up on the race. It added, I think, to the, the support races on the program outside the Cox Plate. So they'll keep that on Cox Plate Day. And then the other change is a thousand guineas going back into November a few weeks for the Melbourne Racing Club. So, yeah, I think obviously the big talking point was the Cox Plate. They've kept it at its traditional slot. I think it's probably the right decision. And I can't say they're going to change it anytime soon. I wouldn't
0: have thought. Uh, Now, we've got a text here for you, which I'm sure you probably haven't looked at this yet, but uh, we'll ask you anyway. Hey, hey lads, can you ask Adam what he thinks about Mogo Magic in the highway this weekend? Uh, Trained by Scott Collings at Goulburn, and uh, it's come off two trial wins, and it's won its first two starts. So there's one maybe to have a look at and report back tomorrow, mate. I'll definitely
3: report back tomorrow. I've got to do my form tonight. I know it's a short price save. I looked at the market there yesterday, but I'll dig into the form a bit more tomorrow, Jared, and report back uh, tomorrow morning.
1: There's another one here, Adam. Does Adam give Mars Crusader a chance in the Oakley Plate? I noticed the horse is unbeaten in Melbourne on a turn. Obviously hates the Flemington straight. Is it a throw at the Stumps at 34-1? to 1?
3: Oh, it has to be, Lawrence. 1100 metres. You think he's going to be run off his feet, wouldn't he? He's just a, he's a slowed out of the gates, though. We're going like the clappers in an oakley plate. I think the Hawks team have got to try something with him because he's, he's, he's been down in his best form for a while now. So maybe getting back to Melbourne around a bend might suit him because we, we've definitely seen he hasn't produced his best down the straight in recent times. There's probably not really a race up here for him in Sydney. I wouldn't have thought until maybe the TJ Smith or or the All Age potentially. So. I can understand why they're doing it, but he's going to struggle to get up with them, isn't he, in the early stages, unless he jumps cleanly from the gate. So if someone wants to back him at that price, I'm not going to deter them, but I wouldn't think it's probably the most ideal race for him I wouldn't have thought, Master Crusader.
0: Well, you know, with the Oakley Plate, there's probably going to be, what, six to eight hard luck stories? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to your mail tomorrow too, mate. Thanks so much.
3: Thanks, boys. We'll chat tomorrow.
0: Champions League this morning and Mares has scored for Manchester City after 27 minutes. They lead in Germany against Leipzig. 1-0, 39 minutes gone in that Champions League round of 16. First leg tied this morning. The other one is scoreless between Inter Milan and Porto. We're going to talk about something different soon and uh, talk to a timber sports champion. He's from Blackheath in the Blue Mountains as well. Brad Delosa. And the Still Timber Sports Australian Trophies next weekend in Glenelg in Adelaide. And he's the defending champ. So we're going to speak to Brad DeLosa. What was the name of the wood chopping great? Dave no, Foster. Dave Foster. That's the one. Dave Foster. Dave Foster. So uh, Brian DeLosa's been, uh, well, a champion of the sport for quite some time. We'll speak to him shortly. Just some rugby news yesterday. Loz, uh, the Brumbies and Waratahs announced their squads for... The season opener tomorrow night at Allianz Stadium. 18-year-old Max Jorgensen, who finished school about five seconds ago uh, last year. The son of Peter, who many will remember playing for the Roosters and the Panthers in the late 90s, or from 95 to 2001, 103 games for the Roosters and Penrith. uh, Played a couple of tests for the Wallabies back in 92, before he switched over to league. Well, his son's Max, and he's got a big reputation for a young bloke. He will become the second youngest Warriors debutant after Kurtley Beale tomorrow night.
1: Oh, he's a really good player, young Max. Um, he's always had plenty of talent, and he showed that at schoolboy level and now gets an opportunity to play with the Waratahs. Um, on the wing, uh, that's not his preferred or natural position. He's a fullback. He's a fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure he'll hand himself very well. Um, I think... It, Saying the right things, the Waratahs coaching staff—they believe that you know he's going to make some errors along the way, which he will, as all young kids do. But he's an exciting talent. There's no doubt about it. He was heavily chased by rugby league. Um, he decided to stick with rugby union. Um, he's a rough chance of being a part of the World Cup squad if he has a you know standout season with the Waratahs this year. But everything that he does is quality. He's got good speed, evasive skills. Um, you know he's 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 got the ability to catch pass everything you want in a young player he's got, and now it's just about you know coming up against men and being able to do it consistently, and that might take a young bloke time, or some young blokes just hit the ground running and they adapt very quickly, and I reckon Max is on the right path, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's part of the Wallabies to go away with a World Cup at the end of the year if he comes on as quickly as what we expect him to.
0: He's going to be one to watch, no doubt about that. And, gee, that market keeps tightening up ahead of the season opener tomorrow night. The Tars $1.90, Brumby's $1.85. So very, very tight market. Uh, the other Aussie teams in action this weekend, uh, the Reds $2.30, slight outsiders. They're playing in Townsville Hosting the Hurricanes for a dollar fifty eight, and the Force and the Rebels in an Australian Derby. The Force a dollar forty eight, the Rebels two fifty five. As that all starts this weekend. But as I mentioned, we're going to talk some timber sports now, and the still Timber Sports Australian Trophy is next weekend. As I mentioned in Adelaide, and uh, they're going to compete. Well, they compete in four disciplines. So there's the stock saw, the underhand chop, uh, the single buck, and the standing block chop. And joining us now is, uh, well, he's the defending champion, Brad DeLosa. Brad, good morning.
4: Morning, guys. How you doing?
0: Yeah, really well, thanks. Great to have you on the show. Tell us about, firstly, your training regime leading into this.
4: Yeah, so I do a lot of cardio. Slightly different training do I do to a normal wood chopping event because it's just, you know, one one block, whereas this is more of an endurance event. So, yeah, I do quite a bit of cardio work and um, a bit of sabata training.
1: How did you get involved in wood chopping?
4: Yeah, I'm probably slightly different to most of the guys. Um, I just got introduced to it through a friend of the family when I was, a, yeah, I was around 16, and um, he just talked me into having a bit of a go and went from there, whereas um, most of the other competitors are sort of second or third generation, you know, so their involvement. So, yeah, it was just a bit of a yeah, just a a bit of a one-off for me. And you obviously loved it when you first
1: started doing it. When did you think, oh, well, I can make a career out of this?
4: Yeah, so I had my first chop in Lithgow, just a little hotel in Lithgow. Um, and I was about 16, yeah, and I won my first event, and then I didn't chop again really for 12 months and went back to the same competition and, and won it again, and then, yeah, sort of went from there. So it was, yeah, after after that second competition, I, you know, went on to a few more of the, you know, the rural shows and, um, yeah, really took a liking to it and then started making some, you know, junior rep teams and, and the rest is history.
2: Brett, you, you mentioned y- your training and your cardio. How much of this is... Uh, timing, technique, rather than strength, for example?
4: Yeah, look, I think a lot of us your timing and technique. You know, it's sort of I, like, you know, like to simulate it to a golf swing a little bit, you know, yeah. you have to be the biggest, strongest guy to, you know, hit a golf ball or obviously a cricket ball is, you know, that far. So a lot of it's timing and technique and all about your angles, you know, and just how you place the axe on the wood. Also, your equipment's got a lot to do with it, you know, how you prepare your equipment for, um, for the different timbers that we cut. Mm-hmm. It, do
1: you have a coach or is it just, Learn on the
4: job. Um, yeah, you sort of have some, I suppose, older, more experienced guys when you first start out that um, that help you, you know, get underway. Um, it is sort of more of an individual sport, though. You do, you know, have some coaching along the way, but um, yeah, predominantly you sort of just train by yourself and yeah, a lot of video coaching and that sort of thing these days.
0: Let's face it, you're a competitor. Uh, tell us about the competition and and, and and like the rivalries developed. Do you try and psych each other out? How does that work? <laughs>
4: Yeah, you have a little bit of that sort of thing. You have some rivalries with some, you know, some competitors that you compete against, you know, day in day out. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the competition over here. There's, um, yeah, a couple of young guys from Victoria and, uh, yeah, a few a few from Queensland also coming along, and um, a few New South Welshmen are, are starting to find their feet, feet as well in this competition. So, yeah, it should be a should be a great competition. I'm sort of. I'm 46 this year, so I'm sort of getting a little bit older, but um, some of the guys in their early 20s, I'm mm-hmm. still trying to chase them. So, it's um, yeah, it's really good rivalry out there on the on the stage.
1: And how many competitions would you go in throughout a year?
4: Yeah, so we have two major still timber sports competitions. So This one's what they call the trophy format, which is, as you described there before, the endurance race. We do one, one disc with the stop saw, run over, do the underhand, come back, do the single buck, and then finish with the standing block. And then we have the traditional format where we do six disciplines so we do three chopping events and three sawing events and you accumulate points you just do each event individually there um so we do the underhand the standing block the single buck the, the stock saw and then we also do the springboard where you just put the two boards in and go up the tree and then we race uh hot saws which are like a 250 or 300 cc um either motorbike or snowmobile um that's customized into a chainsaw and we race them as well so you accumulate points over them six disciplines wow and come out on top or
0: yeah i'm just just curious like as far as you know trying to make a bit of a buck out mm. of it do you get like good sponsors come on board i mean uh, you know you obviously have competed overseas as well i mean how well do you go at you know trying to make as much of a living as possible out of the sport
4: yeah, it is hard, I suppose it's uh, you know, a glorified hobby. It's very hard to mm. yeah, to make a full time living living out of it, you know. So I've been lucky enough, you know, to have some good sponsors along the way, which has certainly helped me a lot and, and made it very easy, you know. So, um but yeah, it isn't you know, it isn't yeah, anywhere near as much money as you make out of, you know, most of the top sports in Australia. And is it more well
1: known overseas rather than here in Australia?
4: Um, look, we're probably, probably got the best um, you know, woodchoppers and competitors in the world. Uh, we cut a lot harder wood here than what they do in Europe. In the timber sports, we cut um, poplar, which is like a softer wood. But all of our other rural shows, like you know, the Sydney Royal Easter Show or the you know, Goulburn Show, whatever other shows you go to outside of um, there, we cut like a hard eucalypt wood. So um, a, I suppose the Australian accent develop a lot better skills because you, you learn how to cut the hard wood. Um, more so than the, the European guys. But, um, but, look, they've certainly put a lot of training and development in over, you know, in Europe, and um, are coming along really well. They're very competitive in the, in, you know, in the World Championships, which are usually held somewhere in Europe um, each year. So, yeah, I think in the next few years we'll see, you know, some great results out of them guys over there.
0: Now, Brad, I believe last year's competition there for the Still Australian Trophy was quite controversial. What happened?
4: Yeah, it was a little bit. So I, I actually got the win, which is um, by a disqualification from the other competitor. He beat me by by about a hit and um, got disqualified, which isn't you know, isn't a way I like to win. But um, yeah, what happened there was there's a, a line down the middle of the stage and um, when you finish on the chainsaw event, you take your glasses and, and earmuffs your protective clothing off. And he, um, when he threw his glasses they come across onto the side of the stage and actually interfered with my run across to the underhand. So the judges deemed that as a, as a disqualification. So that was, yeah, a little bit unlucky for him, but, um, yeah, played into, into my hands, I suppose.
0: how do you take it?
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you, as you can imagine, not very well, but, um, yeah, but that's the, the highs and lows, I suppose, that you go through the, you know, the disappointments of it all.
1: Now, Brad, I, I don't know whether this is a mate of yours or not, but he, He's texting, good morning, guys. Can you please ask Brad if he's been working on his fishing skills ahead of the next wood chopping
4: event? <laughs> Georgia, <laughs> uh, George at Oh, George, yeah. Yeah, George you Tinkler. So, I've got a, yeah, I've got a cousin and some friends who live up there at and I um, I try to get up there and go for a bit of a fish with them. But uh, every time I seem to arrive up there, there's um, there's no fish about. So they always tell me the <laughs> stories, but I'm yet to see it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and, and I guess what sort of evolution would you like to see, For timber sports, Brad, you know, you look at some Olympic sports, for instance, and you think, well, how's that an Olympic sport? I mean, how would you like to see the sport evolve?
4: Yeah, look, I'd love to see it as an Olympic sport, you know, that's, um, yeah, something that's sort of been on the horizon, you know, a few times. But, um, yeah, I think hopefully, you know, moving forward as, um, you know, I, I, I would like to see that happen. It's just a little bit. Hard, I suppose. Our timber supply, you know, there's been a little bit of an uproar in Victoria lately, just with some, um, you know, some forests and stuff getting locked up, and, and finding it hard to get logs for competition down there. So, hopefully, they can, you know, sort that out. And there's, it's a like it's a great traditional Australian sport. So hopefully, we can see the, you know, the future quite bright for it.
0: No, great stuff. Well, Brad, uh, well done, and everything you've accomplished in the sport. And good luck next week in Glenelg, there in Adelaide. And uh, yeah, hope you were celebrating out of the triumph. No
4: worries, thanks guys. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Brad Davison, good morning. Morning, guys. How are we going? Yeah, really well, thanks. And uh, fields are sorted for Saturday, and Dylan Gibbons gets a big chance, set to ride Montefilia in the Group 1 tab Chipping Norton. Yeah, he
5: does. Obviously, uh, Jason Collett was due to ride, but had that mishap at the uh, at track work the other morning and uh, broke a few toes, I believe. So unfortunate news for Jason Collett. He's going to miss. Um, most of the autumn carnival I would imagine and yeah really disappointing for him because he's, he's really found that a uh, bit of a purple patch of late he's been riding particularly well and you know, just coming at, at a horrible time for Jace. so we wish him the best in recovery but uh, yeah big opportunity for Dylan Gibbons aboard Montefilia we know she's a, a really good fresh horse and um, yeah she'll be right in the thicker things there in the Chipping Norton on the weekend and yeah I mean just in general guys the, the next crop of young riders coming through. I don't think it's been this exciting for some time. We've got Dylan, we've got Tyler Schiller, Zach Lloyd and a number of other apprentices there that in all honesty, I think they're already better than a lot of the senior jockeys in Sydney. Um and, you know, I rate them sort of not far off uh you know the I mean you've obviously got J Mac and Nash and Huey and that uh clear. But then uh the second tier I think they're they're right alongside um right alongside the second-tier senior jockeys in Sydney already. So it's a really exciting times for those uh, young apprentices going forward. I think it um, holds the, the future of uh, jockey ranks in Sydney in very good stead going forward. Did you say
1: on our program yesterday, Davo, that you had an early lean towards Steel City in the Blue Diamond? Because I just see that she's now favourite.
5: Yeah, it was a race that I was keen to have a look at yesterday, Loz, yeah. because I, I had that sort of inkling, but I wasn't. I wasn't sure. I'd like to have a look at the data and see what it's got to say on when the final fields come out on Wednesday before sort of, you know, making a, a real opinion or give a real opinion on the race, but I'm um, firmly in in her corner there for that race on the weekend. No surprise that she's been uh, supported into favouritism now. I'm I'm quite convinced guys that the I don't think the Melbourne 2-year-olds are overly strong. I, I don't think they've been running time at all and I can see that, you know, one of them or two of them is going to put their hand up and run really well in a Blue Diamond. But I just think this Sydney form, you know, we've seen it time and time again. They go down there and even saw a horse called Wollombay on the weekend, not the two-year-olds, but won a midweek race at Warwickam and went down there and beat some pretty handy uh, Melbourne types there on the weekend. So, look, I just think the two-year-olds, the form seems stronger in Sydney. And to be honest, I'm I'm quite shocked that, a few more haven't gone down and, and, and noticed that opportunity and, and had a crack at it. Um, there's a few horses racing in Sydney on the weekend that I would have thought would have been right in the finish of a Blue Diamond and there's a Group 1 up for grabs, you know, for a Philly or a, a cult. That's, uh, that's worth a lot a lot of money. So I was surprised a few more didn't have a crack, but still City's there. Don Corleone's there. Uh, he's got to bounce back after a disappointing run the other day. But, yeah, look, look, she's drawn ideally. She's got form around learning to fly, which... Still seems the A-grade form in terms of the Golden Slipper at this stage, and quite convinced that the Slipper is going to be a much, much stronger race than the Blue Diamond this year. So I think she sets up well, and I actually think she'll even start a bit shorter than she is right now as well.
0: Another big weekend for the New Haven Park Country Championships there at Albury on Saturday and Tamworth on Sunday, Dave. Yep, we've already had a, a few of the uh, the races run and won, and uh, a few horses booked their tickets into the
5: final. Of course, the first two go through, but I think. We'll start to see the major players come out over the next uh, few weeks, Jared. Um, you know, with all due respect to the horses in there at the moment, um, most of them are sort of long odds. Um, where that Tamworth heat on Sunday generally always a, a very very strong heat, and of course we'll have the wild card in a, in a few weeks after that. And you know, as they, they continue the regions to to have their um, their heats towards the, the final, so. Um, this uh, Sunday, I think, really one to, to keep an eye on because uh, that Tamworth-Scones sort of region is always very strong and um, normally produces some of the, the best chances in the race. So really looking forward to that one and seeing how those fields and markets uh, shape up for that race on Sunday and, of course, the race on Saturday as well.
1: Dave, I need a favour from you, mate. Go on. <laughs> uh, multi... For tomorrow, <laughs> all right? Yeah. I, I've got no time. And you know how I love pouring over form on a Thursday. Davo's
0: got to do form for about 16 meetings. Yeah, I know,
1: I know, I know. Can you just give me something <laughs> tomorrow or this afternoon so I can throw in my multi
5: for a place? I think, I think Steel City's a good one, Loz. Steel City? Beautiful. Yeah, I think so, because you're still getting around that, you know. So you still something yep. from
2: Davo, something yep. from Adam. So, it's not your multi Well, I all. haven't got
5: time, pup. I haven't okay, got time. so it
2: can't be your multi then. Change the now, name I'm, for I'm, this week.
5: I'm happy for Loz to just to, to, to run with it because if it loses, oh, Daivo No Dave, Davo, you don't
2: know Loz very well. He's gonna take it and claim it if it wins. Yes. Bag, if it loses, buddy, so. you were gonna cop it. So I'm trying to help you out here. Oh, no, sluggy,
5: but, oh yeah, I'm 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 happy. You know, I'm I'm and I'm happy to take it. It's all good. Yeah, you're a good Radio. man, Dave. Trust right. me, Davo. you're gonna get it if it loses. All right, I'll
1: put Steel City in. There you yeah. go. Steel City's going in tomorrow as a yeah. place. You're a legend, Davo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll find out after Saturday. Long. And David, just uh, just a reminder, like James on the text line: Am I losing it, or is the blue diamond at Caulfield normally? Yes, it is normally at Caulfield, but uh, they're having a track renovation there, aren't they, Davo? I don't think Caulfield's back until the spring this year.
5: Yeah, they're having a, a track renovation, doing that inside track and doing a few other bits and pieces there. So there's a, a few races actually on the hillside this weekend, and then others on the lakeside. So. They've obviously got that second winning post as well. So it's all a little bit confusing for this weekend. But, um, yeah, the Blue Diamond on the lakeside around the turn and uh, the Oakley Plate will be on the, the hillside track, sort of out of the chute there with the second winning post. So Oakley Plate's shaping up to be an absolute cracker as well, guys. So
0: we'll touch more on that tomorrow along with the other features at, at Ranwick this Saturday. Sounds good, mate. You have a good one. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Coming Bye. up after the 8 o'clock news, Hudson Young. What a year he had last oh, year. Unbelievable. Sensational. So well, we'll speak to Hudson Young. Uh, and we've also got to give away another double pass for the lunch tomorrow. So Loz is going to be hard at work with the questions in <laughs> the news. Well, we've got 10 minutes to get it <laughs> <laughs> It's a minute to eight.